It's the Misdeeds and Intrigue podcast, featuring stories of royals, scandals, and true crime. Here are your hosts, Carrie and Larissa. I'm trying to find info on Croatia, like the history or whatever, even if it's like recent. And uh, the only one I could find is like there was a dictator and there was like an island that he would send out all the dissidents to. But did Croatia have a dictator? No, it had Marshal Tito, but he was not a dictator. People loved him. Okay. Robert Zagajski points out the spot where his father's body was found back in 1983 in a field on the outskirts of Munich. It's still hard for him. It was here that my father was murdered over 30 years ago. When I come back to this place, I always wonder if he suffered that evening. Who let him out here? Who murdered him? In one instant, their lives were changed forever. Robert Zagajski and his younger brother were teenagers at the time. Their father, Juro Zagajski, was just 43. The exact circumstances of his death are still unknown. There aren't any murderers. They vanished. There isn't anyone who gave any orders of any kind. Officially, no one can be connected with it in any way. What is known is that the orders came from Yugoslavia, the Zagajski's home country, and they came from high up. The family had emigrated to Munich in West Germany, but Juro wasn't ready to give up on his home country. He became politically active in the opposition to the Yugoslav socialist regime. Robert Zagajski soon concluded that the Yugoslav Secret Service had murdered his father, one of 29 dissidents killed in the largest unsolved killing spree in German history. These men may have known something about it, former elite Yugoslav agents for controlling dissidents abroad. One of them has now broken his silence. Bujidan Spazic was in charge of the so-called psychological subversion a division responsible for character assassination. We organized everything and then we assigned criminals to carry out the deed itself. We gave them false passports, obtained weapons for them and provided logistical support. They were allowed across the border with no problems. The targets were mainly Croats who had taken up the cause of independence for Croatia, still part of Yugoslavia at the time. Yugoslav President Josip Broz Tito pursued them all over the world, but especially in West Germany. Munich International Airport, January 2014. Former Yugoslav Secret Service agent Josip Perković was extradited from the now independent Croatia to Germany. He may be able to provide more information. Yugoslavia's last Secret Service head, Zdravko Mustac, followed in April. The German federal prosecutor had issued an arrest warrant for the two former agents years ago, coupled with large rewards for information. They're charged with the murder of exiled Croat Stepan Jorekovic. This is the case German authorities know the most about so far. Jorekovic, CEO of Yugoslavia's state-owned oil company, fled to Germany and published books criticizing Tito. It's been revealed that he also worked for West Germany's intelligence service. Jorekovic was to deliver a manuscript to a garage near Munich which housed a secret printing shop. But he met his assassins instead. Jorekovic tried to run for his life, but the killers shot him twice in the back and shattered his skull. His grave in Zagreb, 
where Jurekovic was reburied after the collapse of Yugoslavia. Robert Zagajski knew his family well. His own father had been killed just a few months before. We're hoping more will come to light now. It may take a while, but I think step by step it will come. We've waited for decades, and a few more years now won't make that much difference. Hope remains that this brutal killing spree may yet be solved, at least partially. Thirty years afterwards, Robert Zagajski is seeking justice for his father. Oh, what? you know what I did hear about? No, because does Croatia, was that part of Yugoslavia? Yes. Yes. Okay, so at one point, they had um, gotten cooperation, I guess, from... I'm going to cut this part out. Yeah. They had gotten cooperation from from the citizens during the war, and they basically turned them over. They didn't protect them, and a lot of them were just murdered. It was during, like, political upheaval. I should send you the episode about it. I, li- I was listening to it on what a history it, yeah, podcast. Yeah, that seems... What? So... And there what is a rocky island that they that they created um, for political dissidents. Hungary and Romania were signed up as members of the Axis in November 1940. Bulgaria took more persuasion, being that much closer to the Soviet Union, already rumbling menacingly at the threat of an Axis bulwark on its southwestern approaches. German patience paid off, and the Bulgarians agreed to the entry of German support troops. During the winter months, their engineers were busily preparing assembly areas in southern Bulgaria, from which the Greek invasion would be launched. As spring approached, numerous military bridges were thrown across the Danube, and Bulgaria finally signed into the Axis on the 1st of March 1941, as German combat troops entered the country across the Romanian border, formed up in their deployment areas, and awaited the order to advance into Greece. Until now, Yugoslavia had remained neutral and outside the Axis, although its large Catholic Croat population was inclined to be pro-German. Up to a point, Hitler accepted its government's stance, but demanded unlimited use by the Wehrmacht of the key strategic rail link from Belgrade to Salonika. A reluctant Yugoslav government signed into the Axis on the 25th of March. But a few days later, a coup by officers sympathetic to the Allies forced the pro-German regent, Prince Paul, into exile and placed the 18-year-old King Peter II on the throne, declaring him to be of age. The new Prime Minister, General Simovich, refused to ratify the signature of his predecessor on the Axis Treaty, and a furious Hitler announced on the 27th of March that he would destroy Yugoslavia as both military power and sovereign state. I'm wondering if this was pre-World War II. Um, it wasn't during this last war. It may have been. Um, it's the Ante Pavlik, the Croatian dictator behind the brutal Astasi. Does that sound familiar? Usashi, uh, it says that... the t- Croatian dictator was too bestial even for the Nazi Nazis. What year was that? Um, he said using his ultra naturalistic terrorist group known as the Ustasi. Yeah, yeah, sorry. You got to be the okay. translator. <laughs> he orchestrated a genocide of nearly one million ethnic Serbs, Jews, and Rom- Romani people. 
And so in mm. October of 1934, the king of Alexander of Yugoslavia was assassinated in Marseille. Mm -hmm. And so that person was a part of, was an agent of the internal Macedonian revolutionary organization. But another group had been working behind the scenes to orchestrate his death, which is, say it again. The Ustashi? Yes. And it was being led by an unchanged fascist named Ante Pavlik. After Axis forces conquered Croatia in 1941, he was installed as its like head. I can't say it like Poglavidnik. I don't, I can't. Um, so he, much like his contemporary and friend Adolf Hitler, he was a violent anti-Semite. In total, he helped orchestrate the murder of over 700,000 Jews. And then his murderous reign ended only with the defeat of the Axis powers, which he fled to Austria and Italy, where he hid under I don't know about that, though, because death. my my mom's house was definitely taken over by the Nazis, right? Really? And they made them like wait on them hand and foot. They put them in the barn. They used them as slaves, basically. So I, I you would think if they were, you know, closely re related, the Nazis and public, I don't know this history, but you'd think if they were closely related, they would protect the citizens, right? Yeah. But they treated them I mean, I guess they're lucky they didn't get killed. I know my mom always says she's lucky she didn't die. What's interesting is, who did you mention that they like? Tito, Marshal Tito. Oh, okay. This was another one, which was Tujman? Tujman? Oh, he was during the war. Franjo Tujman. He was during the war. He kind of got them out of the war, which yeah. he was okay. They were okay with him because he was like, we're, we're not going to, you know, um, well, the, the Serbs did actually evacuate a bunch of villages and kill a bunch of people to take over villages. And now, those yeah, that's what that's what yeah. they were. And the the podcast I was listening to on, I think it was History Hit. They were mm -hmm. talking about how people that were anti-fascist, anti-communism, like they were all like helping the Allied powers. Yeah, this was just in this was just in ninety two. Oh, okay, because when they yeah. pulled out, when the Allied pay, uh, powers left, mm -hmm. they basically just left them to a lot of them were killed men women children the whole thing that had been anti-communist or anti-fascist and all that oh my god like See, we just totally that like part. that poor that poor region has so it's so it's so I sad have a feeling it's due for another uh because serbs are closely aligned with putin now and you oh, know really? putin he'll yeah. take anything he can so i'm worried they're going to come for the coastline again which is all all Croatian, and I'm sure that they want a piece of that, and I'm sure Putin wants a piece of that tourism dollar. Yeah. I don't know. They were a little worried because, you know, Putin says wherever his citizens are, that's he owes it to them to protect them, which is a bunch of poo-poo. I, I think Russia always wants to access to the seas because they don't really have yeah. that. That's one of the mm. few things I remember from... Um, I just found ABC. This is World News Tonight with Peter Jennings. Good evening. We begin with overseas news tonight. It appears that the violent tactics of the Yugoslav army have forced the Bush administration to change its mind. For a week now, ever since the Yugoslav republics of Slovenia and Croatia declared their independence from Yugoslavia, the administration has been saying they were wrong, that Yugoslavia's unity must be preserved. Today, the emphasis shifted. The State Department says unity should not be preserved by force. There is no evidence the Yugoslav army is listening, yet another ceasefire has collapsed. 
ABC's John Lawrence is in Slovenia. The Yugoslav Air Force dropped bombs and rockets and cannon at Slovenian militia targets throughout the day. It was part of a major effort by Yugoslav national forces to break out of their barracks and other isolated positions and launch an offensive against Slovenians one week after their declaration of independence and one day after the latest ceasefire. At the town of Chantil, on the border between Slovenia and Austria, a Yugoslav army post came under fire from tanks captured by the Slovenians. At Vernica, about 12 miles west of the Slovenian capital of Ljubljana, a column of Yugoslav army tanks broke out of their base and advanced toward the capital, firing as they went. A few miles away, special forces of the Slovenian territorial militia prepared to face the tanks. Their commander briefed them with the instructions, if you see a tank, you can shoot it. Most of these men were civilians only a week ago. Now they are committed to the defense of Ljubljana. Do you expect to be in a battle? In the fighting? Yes. I hope. I them. Who's winning? We. Always. Because this is our country, you know. In less than an hour, the same troops were moving into position along the line of the main Yugoslav armored advance. An officer said, I hope my son will be free, and we will be free. To the south, near the Slovenian border with Croatia, one of the Yugoslav army units, which was surrounded, tried to move out of its position today and took heavy fire. Several soldiers were wounded. More than a thousand Yugoslav troops have been cut off since last week, some without food and water. In the Croatian capital of Zagreb, where independence was also proclaimed last week, a crowd of civilians tried to block a Yugoslav army tank unit from going north to Slovenia. At least three people were killed when troops opened fire on the crowd. As political leaders from both sides appeal for another ceasefire, it appears from today's actions that the Yugoslav army is determined to finish the issue of Slovenian independence by force. John Lawrence, ABC News, Ljubljana. By contrast, in the Soviet Union today, the beginning of another political party to challenge the Communist Party peacefully. Pro-democracy leaders outline the goals of a new political organization they hope to form by September in an effort to break the Communist monopoly on power. It is going to be an uphill battle. ABC's David Ensor is in Moscow. The symbols of Communist Party power are everywhere. Five years after President Gorbachev said Soviet society must reform itself, almost all the important government jobs are still held by party officials. That is what the reformers are up against and what they want their new political movement to change. What we are aiming at is to create a normal democratic party. Former Foreign Minister Shevardnadze, one of the nine founders of the new movement, said he became involved because he fears a return to tyranny. It will set up a barrier to dictatorship. That is why the decision we have taken is so important. The reformers hope to tempt Gorbachev to quit the Communist Party and join their new movement. Gorbachev had nothing to say about that, but his spokesman said today that if the goals are democracy and reform, then that is a positive step. 
the new democratic movement's organizers hope to tempt millions more to quit the Communist Party. Uh, Two-thirds of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union are people who uh, totally disagree with the line of the Communist Party, uh, who don't believe in communism. But the reformers' problem is that many who disagree with the party benefit from it with special privileges. And perhaps more importantly, they fear it. The party uh, dominates in the army, the party dominates in the KGB, the party dominates in the Ministry of Interior and the forces armed forces of the interior. Uh, so in the final end, the party has the real power here. And it is a sign of how slowly things change here that some of the new movement's founders are still members of the Communist Party. And not until September, when they plan a special Congress, will they even decide whether to form a real political party. Ciao, darling. Still too early to go to Tiffany's. I guess the next best thing is a drink. I will never be the woman with the perfect hair who can wear white and not spill on it. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Let's play a game, all right? On the count of three, name your favorite dinosaur. Don't even think about it, just name it. Ready? One, two, three. Hey, it's me again, and you thought you probably had enough of my voice by now. Just a quick reminder to find us and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Miss Intrigue Pod. Follow us on Pinterest and Flipboard where we collect featured stories from across the internet of royalty, chronicles of interesting events in history, and of course, true crime. Lastly, check out our YouTube channel because everyone has one, right? That features playlists of documentaries and other related segments from our podcast topics. And if you want to hit us up, check out Miss deeds and intrigue podcast.com but we don't have a complaints department just to give you a little heads up the podcaster or authors assumes no responsibility or liability for any errors or omissions in the content of this podcast the information contained on this podcast is an as-is basis with no guarantees of completeness accuracy, usefulness, or timeliness. A reasonable amount of effort was made to deliver precise data. All views expressed by the podcast hosts or guest co-hosts are their own and do not necessarily represent the opinions of any entity whatsoever with which Carrie, Misdeeds, or Intrigue Podcast, or Larissa have been, am now, or will be affiliated. The content of this podcast is for personal, informational, and entertainment purposes only and is not to be viewed for commercial use. Misdeeds and Intrigue Podcast respects the intellectual property of others. Any audio clips that were not generated by the podcast host or producer was pulled from the public domain, free use sites, and or from YouTube or other authorized sites to gather information. The utmost effort was made to credit the author and or production. If at any time you feel that copyright was infringed, please email Carrie at misdeedsandintriguepodcast.com and immediate action will be taken to remove the audio clips that were present for entertainment purposes only.